0: Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman.
1: My Kentucky isn't the Kentucky of rolling hills and horse farms. I'm a product of a political family. There's a song about uh, by Stephen Foster called My Old Kentucky Home. The young folks roll on the little cabin floor, all merry, all happy and bright. What Chan and I experienced was truly idyllic in the beginning. There was always a sense of royalty, a constant remember who you are from my dad. You're a Chandler. Just a few lines from Aaron Chandler's memoir, Junebug vs. Hurricane. Erin and her brother Chan, born into political royalty, find themselves shuffled between the spotlight of the happy Chandler legacy in Kentucky and the neon lights of the Las Vegas Strip after their parents parted ways. Erin will be joining us us at the Kentucky Book Fair on November the 18th. She holds an MFA from Spalding University and an MA in theater from the University of Kentucky. She's been an actress, producer, and playwright. This memoir has been described as a candid, brutally honest account of her relationship with her father and brother and other family members. That's someone else's description, Aaron Chandler. How do you describe it? And thanks for being on Think Humanities.
0: Well, thank you for having me. Um, I would describe it as sort of a way to let everyone know who my brother and father were. I really wrote it to get his story out. My brother, who died when he was 30, and um, when I started, you know, it began with a breakdown. Finally, coming to terms with his death, which was very tragic, when um, in 1993, and uh, around 2004, I came back to Versailles, and um, sort of had was really just coming to terms with what had happened and how we had grown up, and I started just meditating on it and realizing that we grew up in the craziest environment. And it was great because it was showgirls and Sammy Davis Jr., it was Las Vegas in the 70s and we grew up in Caesar's Palace. And while it was so exciting, it was also filled with a lot of um, characters that were drug lords and bookies and guns toting and hiding money and flying, you know, all this craziness that that Chan, that was his, um, that was his, upbringing i mean and it affected him a lot more um so did my father's always saying we need to get back to kentucky we need to get back to kentucky so he had these conflicting things going through him all the time and while i found an outlet in theater and acting in hollywood he never had that outlet so um, he was left sort of struggling with what kind of adult to become
1: now we want to stress that uh, i introduced this as a memoir so it is uh, as we know as Spaulding graduates, and very proud to be so, um, there's such an interesting conversation even today about memoir and about uh, creative nonfiction and about uh, always writing from uh, fact. And I-, I want to emphasize that uh, this is a true story. This is your life, yes. Aaron Chandler. Yes. And what... What point did you get to in your life when you were ready to write all of this down and and to send it out into the world
0: well I had come back to Kentucky I'd been in Hollywood for about 20 years and we just needed a break my ex-husband and I and he's he figures largely in the book his name has changed but <laughs> um he um we came back just to sort of rest and what happened was my dad and we moved back to the cabin where a lot of the self-destruction of my brother took place and we moved back there to sort of rest for six months and then maybe go to New York. He was a musician. I was an actress. We were going to do all this and what happened was my father moved in with us. It was the time of the great ice storm in 2004 and I just completely collapsed. I was finding all my brother's old notes and his all things and and I was just kind of wondering, sort of having a, um, I think I was about 40 or 39 or 40. And I was just really, you know, having that kind of like where you kind of break, throughout, break down to break through um, moment. And I started taping my family members talking about my brother. So I taped Aunt Toss and I taped Uncle Ben and I taped my dad and videotaped him just and went across the street and, and filmed Aunt Mimi and, and talking about my brother. And, and it was, I had such a chip on my shoulder because he was gone and he was, you know, a, a troublemaker. He was charming and beautiful and handsome and all of this but he was also gun toting and had about 13 car wrecks and seven DUIs and um he was always in a struggle um but um but nevertheless was my favorite person
1: let's uh, for those uh, listeners of um the podcast and and for others who may not know the the, the family as as well as you uh, do of course because you uh uh, are a Chandler. And the passage that I read uh, from the memoir, which is right at the very beginning, about uh, the Chandlers as a political family, but let's go back and sort of build on that and and talk to people about uh, when all of that began and, and who some of these uh, uh, not only characters, they are characters, but they're real people. You just ticked off several. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, sort of put the pieces in place.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, my grandfather is Happy Chandler, and he was um, governor of Kentucky twice and baseball commissioner and um, put Jackie Robinson in baseball was the and got, was put in the Hall of Fame for that. And my father is his son, his youngest son. He had three siblings, Marcella, Mimi, and Ben. And my cousin Ben is the congressman now. People think that when I'm talking about Uncle Ben, I'm talking about his father, our fathers are brothers. And... Um, so uh, my father was the youngest child, the most spoiled, <laughs> and the, you know, and and but the most lively. And so he, when my parents divorced, he moved out to Las Vegas, and was always bringing you know celebrities back to Kentucky and doing. He was just living this roller coaster life. Whereas my uncle Ben stayed home and ran the newspaper, the Woodford Sun, and uh, and did sort of all the right things. So when I again when I came back at that time, one of my questions was. What Chan really wanted was to...
1: Chan, have, your brother. My
0: brother was not to have been taken away from Elm Street, where we did grow up in an idyllic thing until I was eight years old. But he was 10 and, and we lived up the street from my grandmother and we would go over there and we lived by my cousins and we went to St. Leo and it was just a very sweet, warm environment and a, a very safe environment with, with a lot of you know security. And then to be literally dropped off in Caesar's Palace and my dad... Would sometimes not come home for two days and leave us with a secretary or this or that and we were just wandering the casino in the 70s and um, going to shows and hanging out by the pool but it was unsupervised completely every summer our entire lives pretty much and and then coming back here um, whereas it you know when I when I did move back Chan moved back in high school and lived with my grandparents because we lived in Lubbock Texas because my stepdad and we lived, you know, a lot of these things where they think, you know, maybe it's privileged to live in Kentucky, but nobody in Lubbock, Texas or Farmington, Maine or Hollywood care about who my grandfather is. And so we, so luckily we got to make our own way. And, but Chan always wanted to come back here.
1: Why do you think he, he wanted to come back here? I mean, what, what was it about the Kentucky he left that he wanted to return to?
0: I think it's that, um, like my cousin Witt said, the sense of safety and the, the, the net and the sense of security. And because my father was always saying, that's our home, that's our home, even though we'd be on the mountaintops in the, the the desert in Las Vegas, he was always talking about getting back home and getting back home. And when I came back, I was asking them, I would say, "What do you? what was so great about the path you all chose that... Chan, you know, eventually got to the point where he couldn't even be here because he was, and my aunt was saying, you know, well, he people were afraid of him; they were afraid he would shoot them. And Mm. I was just like indignant on his part and saying, "Well, they deserve to be shot." Mm. If he thought, I just, I just wasn't making sense of it because he didn't know how to, um, I guess he, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly.
1: Did um, and you were, um, you're a character in this. Anyone who writes a a memoir becomes uh, maybe. Uh, the lead character, um, as the writer, as the uh, the truth teller, as the the one who's telling the story. So you were completely involved and and there throughout all of uh, all of these episodes. Your father, um, tell us more about him. What was it? Why was he different than his than his brother, for example?
0: They were. Best friends, but polar opposites. Um, my father just was—I don't know. He was the baby of the family, but he—he he grew up with a sense of happiness and joy and lust for life. That he was just traveling and going and around people. He probably should have been a politician, you know, but he.
1: And but he attempted that.
0: He did attempt that, and then, um, as I say in the book, getting thrown in jail once for like <laughs> something was not didn't do well for that. But he he was, he just loved people and loved life and loved just soaking up. And he, he was a history major. And he would just tell me about everything, you know, just going over to England. And um, his mother taught him all of these things. And he, when he raised us wanting for something wonderful to be happening at every moment, which was a lot of pressure. It was like, we're going to be doing this, or we're going to be doing that. And there's, you know, we're going to go on this boat, and then we're going to talk to this person. And there's, he surrounded himself with movie stars and sports figures, and they all loved him, too. And people would say, um, I think it was Anita Madden who did say that she said when she comes back to life, she would like to come back as Dan Chandler. And she said, because nobody's had more fun than him. And I remember Jimmy Buffett one time said to me, We went backstage, and he was a friend of my dad's. And he said, "Dan Chandler's your father." I was like, "Can you imagine having Dan Chandler be your father?" Because he was this giant figure, you know, with always with a cigar in his mouth and a scotch in his hand, and he was, you know, just rallying people in. And so, it was more like he was our friend, and we were protecting him, even though he's this giant character. And I think that put a lot of pressure on my brother, especially being the other. He took on the role of protecting me too, and he would say, "Well, if you all would do your jobs, I wouldn't have to do it." You know, and so it's—I adore my father more than anything. And we, but we, we just had a very complicated, as everybody does. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have had the same dynamics in their family, even though it's completely different. They'll say your story is so much like mine, even though it's mine happened in Hazard or mine happened in, you know, Hollywood or something.
1: You and Chan were very, very close. Yes. Talk about and describe um, that relationship.
0: Well, I think we were so close because we had these similar—well, first of all, our parents, our mom and dad, even though they divorced, they were close their whole lives. And um, our family was just just extraordinarily close, even though we were always in different states. And Chan and I, growing up, where he had to be— my protector in many ways. For years, When since I was a little girl, he would be the one watching after me, not my father. He would be off with, with someone or, or or dropping us, you know, at the front row of the Osmond show or the Sammy Davis Jr. or something. And, and Chan would be walking me home or we'd be by ourselves and he would just ha- have my hand and, he, Ari, it's okay. Let me just...
1: He, there uh, was what, two years? Two years. Two years difference in, in your ages. Yes. Uh-huh.
0: And then it was about um, when he was in college, and he I just idolized him. And even my mom used to say that she used to tell Chan before I was born, this is your baby, this is your baby coming. And so he drug me around like a rag doll, you know, before then, and then was always protective. And then, of course, he was overprotective by the time I got into college, where he would just you know, and I had no control, and this is when he was way out of control, but if I was in a restaurant or bar that he didn't want me to be in, he would just, I don't think so, take my arm and I would just have to go, or if he wanted to take my car, he would just take my car. It was just, there were no boundaries, he just, um, which was very, very difficult and left me very scattered as a human being, and that's another thing I was, um, when I was talking about coming back here and wanting to talk to people who knew me before I stammered my sentences, who knew me before I, I just... But I think that that push and pull with these two giant figures, my brother and my father, um, who were living on the edge, you know, and Chan eventually... Um, that's why I chose Junebug versus Hurricane because it's a song about by Lucinda Williams about people living their life on the edge. And he would jump in a lake with alligators, literally. He would um, just... It was like he wasn't afraid to die because I think he wasn't afraid to die. And I would watch him. I have a a scene in Malibu where he's walking on a a pier where he could just die in two seconds. And that kind of anxiety, when you love someone so much and they are just throwing caution to the wind all the time and smiling and being charming at the same time they could be dead in a minute, um, just settles into your bones.
1: And so this is a a young man at the time who was... uh... Uh, living life on the wild side yeah. yet uh, still felt um, I mean you were you were not an innocent character in all of this uh, either uh, no. <laughs> and, and and yet yet this is a, a young man who's really being protective of you
0: yes yes and um, I remember he was so horrified when I graduated college and I went to London with UK Theatre Department and um, lived in King's College, but I didn't call him for like three days, and he said, "You know, here you cannot do that." He was so furious. He said, "You can't just leave the country for three days." And it, and I talked to brothers and sisters that don't talk to their brothers for you know months on end or whatever. But we we had that relationship that was that was just extra close, <laughs> extra <laughs> close, and um, and so that's why you know say, trying to save his life for fifteen years was was quite a job.
1: So uh, during that period of time, you were pursuing your own professional career. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Yes. Well, right when I graduated, I came back to UK and and graduated from the theater department here at UK. And then I went out to Los Angeles. um, I was 22 or 23 and went right to Playhouse West, a wonderful acting school, and met some of my best friends that are still my best friends now. And I was there for five years, and I started doing movies and TV shows and getting um, little parts here and there in Chicago Hope and The Net and and doing – um had a scene with Johnny Depp in Fear and Loving* in Las Vegas and being from Kentucky, and um, that was fun. And then I got into producing plays. I was in a lot of plays there, and um, I started producing plays and had a really, really wonderful life out there. I really loved it, and um, – for it was there for about 22 years and um never you know got pushed over the edge to becoming really famous but but I'm really proud and excited and every every new adventure was I
1: so was. so what happened uh that that then eventually sort of concluded that chapter if you will and 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 brought you to where you are today uh sort of fill in that blank for me
0: well when we came back in 2004 I we moved from this big house with a pool and it, um, and in Burbank and we were kind of living the high life. I was doing this big movie, Lost in the Pershing Point Hotel and my ex-husband was doing um, this rock opera that I produced and when we came back and I had my sort of mental breakdown and my father with my father living here with us and it was just chaos which the book takes place in that that's the overall theme and then it's flashbacks mm-hmm. with Chan over you know 93, 92, 75. And in the different places. And I went back and I moved – we moved into a tiny studio in Hollywood Hills. And I just sat down and started writing the book and just did not move for six months and just got the first draft out. And it, our marriage sort of just ended about then. And within a year, um, we were divorced. And I um, – my dad passed away. Just right, – that was the last time I said my dad passed away. That – on my birthday – April twenty seventh, 2004. And um, I bought a house in Burbank, I mean, uh, in Studio City. Um, and I couldn't keep up with the house. And um, I just, you know, I, try, I hung on. I did I did produce a play of my movie. I mean, a play of the book. And um, Nick Cassavetes got involved after seeing the play and wanted
1: to... Famous uh, Hollywood director.
0: Uh, wanted to do a movie of the book. So I got all involved in that. And I was just really... You know, like, that's going to be my big, you know, just now I'm working with uh, Nick Cassavetes. And and that just ended up being a big mess. And they, you know, I went in thinking we'd do a small independent movie for a million dollars. And his managers came back and said it had to be a $22 million movie and everything had to be. And so I went on that rat <laughs> wheel for um, mm-hmm. a couple years. And then finally I just surrendered <laughs> completely and moved to North Carolina And um, finished, you know, working on finishing the book. And that's when I went to Mm Spalding and decided to, um, I I didn't really know what to do. So I actually came back here and got my master's in theater. Like, I didn't have, you know, here I was, you know, at that age. And I was like, well, I'll just go back to school because I didn't know what to do. And then I realized that what I really wanted to do was um, finish the book and get an MFA in creative writing. Mm -hmm. And so that, as we were talking about, Mm Spalding, was the smartest decision of my adult life I ever made and and I ultimately finished the book and it became it was my thesis to graduate this June.
1: Well and you will be uh, at the Kentucky Book Fair on November the 18th uh, at the Kentucky Horse Park uh, the All Tech Arena. We invite everybody to to come out and and meet you and see you and um, and and buy your book and uh, and talk with uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of friends there but there'll be a lot of people who are um, uh, curious about your family and about your life, and uh, that you will encourage them to uh, to buy Junebug versus Hurricane. Aaron, to do something like this, and I uh, I wrote earlier about it being uh, brutally honest. Um, you you are ready to. This is sort of your your coming out. Uh, uh, party uh to to maybe a lot of kentucky who who don't really know that you're back and that you you they they might have uh they certainly know the chandler name and the chandler family but they might not have known the nitty-gritty details of of your life why do you want to expose yourself like this
0: you know it was more um okay stuff i was talking to some ladies last night um, about that it used Junebug versus Hurricane at a book club. And we went to dinner and they, they were asking the same question. And I said, it's, it's sort of like when you feel like you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. When, when you have nothing, I think that's the best place to write from. And when I've sat down and, and I, I didn't really intend, I just wanted to get these stories out. And it was really important to me most most is to honor my brother's life. And, and there were so many rumors about about his life. And my dad, who was just amazing, an amazing father. And, and just I wouldn't change anything for the world. But I wanted them to know who they were. And it was it really is much, isn't as much about my whole family, like my grandfather and cousins and aunt and uncles, even though they're in that. It's really about uh, my brother and father and our specific journey that started in Kentucky but ended up in the desert in Las Vegas. And, and then, you know, that changed us forever and um, and I really wanted people to know them, and and it wasn't hard for me. I don't know. I've never been I guess I just have a big, big dose of "Don't care," you know in my you know, I just don't.
1: Um, are there, um, Are there some um, members of the Chandler family who w- would just have soon not have you published this work?
0: I'm sure, yes. <laughs> I'm sure they are. And um, and my cousin Whit always says, well, people always say that if you're going to – writers always are pissing somebody off. <laughs> and so, you know, so I'm sure they would rather, you know, just hold up everything. But it's not – you know, everybody has a right to tell their own story, their own personal story. And, and I'm careful not to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings or, or, or you know, irreparably say something that's going to cause the ending of a – a relationship because my family is very important to me and so um so with that and then the next book which I'm going to make fiction um even if it is fiction you I still want to be careful even but I also wanted, you know I I upset some people in Lubbock Texas which I didn't mean to but I I hated Lubbock I lived there seventh grade eighth grade ninth grade tenth grade it was it was really tough and and I didn't and I, even though I had fun because I have my dad in me, so we're going to have fun. No, I when in Rome, you know, we're going to get in there, mm-hmm. take some acid, drink some, you know, at 15, mm-hmm. just do whatever, whatever, you know, they do. And, but ultimately the minute I graduated, I never went back and I was gone every summer to Las Vegas to visit my dad. But I, some friends, I didn't even think about it. Their feelings were hurt. And they said, well, you, we were your, we were your friends and, you know, did we loved you unconditionally and you acted like Lubbock was so awful and, I said I was just telling a girl who was uncomfortable with her stepfather and who was mean, and he was a, a Marine fighter pilot and didn't like us. and And I was trying to make my way in this weird, dusty town, and and it wasn't a pleasant experience. and And even though I did have fun and love those friends, but I went back and changed all the names. and And I think that, um, you know, when you do tell your own truth, it's it's people are gonna get uncomfortable.
1: So now you're back in Kentucky. You have this one book. You're working on another. Um, what if you um, had to write the um, not the not not the third act? Let's say this would be the second act. Um, what would that be? What what do you want to accomplish uh, in the next decade? Let's say, for example.
0: Well, um, I actually just a few days ago. Uh, signed a lease and I'm opening up a bookstore in Versailles.
1: Oh how wonderful.
0: And I'm so excited about it and I just I've just been on Main Street and Mm -hmm. it's this beautiful space with original um, brick and and that's always been a dream is to have it. Bookstores have always been my most you know I've always been most comfortable even when I moved and moved and moved and moved I always carried around all of my books you know in fact went to my ex that we were Drive when we were driving back to California, we got robbed, and all of his music equipment got stolen his guitar, his keyboards, this and that. He said, But we still have every book Aaron has ever read. And so yeah. it was like, yeah. And so, but I always have all my books. And so now to open up this space with um, a friend of mine, Tuesday night, is an actress, and she's moving to Versailles too. And we're going to open it up together. And so I would hope that I could just create a beautiful um, little bookstore mm-hmm. that people will hang out. I want to just keep writing. And I'm I'm teaching playwriting at the Carnegie Center, which I love, and I'm teaching English at BCTC right now, and I, I enjoy teaching very much. And but but mostly, if it, if if I'm honest, what I would really like to do is write a great play and write another great book and hang out at a bookstore.
1: That's a uh, sounds like um, not only doable but uh, an admirable uh, accomplishment to have on your uh, your bucket list, uh, and you kind of can stop there and 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 work toward that goal.
0: Yes, yes. Erin
1: Chandler, uh, author of June Bug vs. Hurricane, uh, a memoir uh, at the Kentucky Book Fair, November 18th. Thanks for uh, being on Think Humanities podcast. Thank
0: you very much. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud.